The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode of The Video Insiders. I'm Dror Gill, and with me is my co-host, Mark Donegan. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Well, hello, Dror. It has been way too long. So good to be back on the microphone. I heard you've been very, very busy lately, right? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I'm now going to add um, podcast co-host on my resume, <laughs> my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> you're, you're on a roll, right? You're doing this one with me. You have one with Dan Rayborn. That's right. And you're thinking about a third one? I'm thinking about a third one. And, you know, hey, we might as well just keep the party going. So It's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. It really is. It really is. And, uh, you know, I, it, it feels like the industry, actually, let me just say, the whole world has discovered podcasts. And we love it that uh, there are places, you know, to hear other people in the industry uh, talk about various aspects. You know, here we focus more on technology. Uh, in your podcast with uh, Dan Rayborn, you're focusing more on uh, the industry, the business models, uh, the services themselves, right? The streaming services. Yep, that's right. Uh, so we get to cover all aspects of the industry, and that's, uh, and that's great. Today, we have a very exciting topic uh, to talk about. We're talking about the ability to create media from scratch. You know, just think about it or describe it and... There it is. You have the media you want. You don't need to search through those you know, archives of, of canned content. You can actually create it yourself from scratch using AI, of course. So I'm very happy to introduce to everyone our guest for today, who is Yair Adato, co-founder and CTO of Bria. Hello, Yair, and welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for inviting me. We're really excited to have you. Uh, so first, the name Bria, I think I know where it comes from, because in Hebrew, Bria means creation or uh, genesis, right? Exactly. So the idea is that we enable creation of any visual, stills or video, and creation in Hebrew is Bria, and uh, this is the source of the name. Yeah, and we're talking about creation in the meaning of like God created the world, the truest essence of creating something from nothing, right? <laughs> Bring it into, into existence. And that's, that's what they do. So can you give us some background about uh, yourself, your experience? Sure. So my name is Yair. Uh, I have a PhD in uh, computer uh, science placed in Israel. Uh, I'm uh, 36 years old. And my uh, 40 years crisis uh, had uh, three elements to do a stand-up to travel with my family for three weeks uh, uh, every year and to learn to play in piano. Awesome. So I did the stand-up. It was uh, actually a very cool uh, experience to do a stand-up in front of a friend of family, a 15-minute show that I wrote. Well, I travel with my family and uh, that's it. <laughs> oh, you didn't get to the piano yet. I, I still need to fulfill this part, uh, but uh, I will do that. I will do that someday. I'm sure you will. Uh, before Bria, I was a CTO and VP R&D of uh, Israeli Singaporean startup called Trucks. Did uh, a lot of stuff from the retail tech, 
And in the last two years, I'm in Boya. Amazing. Well, I'm super excited um, to learn about you know what you built here and to describe to our audience what you built because as a marketer, there's one thing I hate about my job more than anything in the whole world. <laughs> and that is spending what can turn into hours looking at stock photo libraries. <laughs> For that perfect image, it just feels right. <laughs> and then you end up with something that isn't perfect after you spent those hours. So tell us, you know, in your words, what have you built? So you're actually quite uh, on the spot. We are building a platform where you can describe what you want. And then the system will create it for you. Still or uh, video. And uh, then you said, oh, this is not exactly what I want. Can you change it a little bit for me? And it will change it a little bit for you. So you can use existing uh, uh, visual and change everything in the visual, change the person expression, change the appearance, change the color, change the mood, change the background, uh, remove object, add object, and even turn this photo to live video. And the idea behind it is that using generative AI, you can generate basically anything, anything you want, or tweak it a little bit until you find the exact visuals you want. Now it's for marketing, it's for visual communication, it's for everything or everyone that needs visual. No pixel editing, no Photoshop, no After Effects, no camera. Just play with the system. We hope that by the end of the year, we can allow it with text edit. Just text the change that you want to have incredible and and right now it's it's not controlled by text by but by uh, like levers and button and, and controllers right so right now it's controlled by API the, the thing that you play with with the controllers and bars and sliders is just an implementation of API but the idea is to enable creators and platform to use that so it's API first approach and And the distance between API and text edit is not that far when you think about it. Now, you know, let's start more on the application side. And so obviously it, you know, it's very easy to understand the scenario that I even described, you know, marketers, uh, you know, they have a particular look, a particular feel, you know, especially depending on the type of marketing you're doing. And uh, with all of the hyper personalization, you know, you might want a certain age of a person, you might want a gender, you might want, you know, one person's in a winter scene, the next person's on the beach. I mean, <laughs> you know, there can be a lot of that. Walk us through the use cases, you know, the case studies of your, of your first users. The, the image bank use case the, is, is the easiest one, right? Visual. is something now that you can change, something that you can adapt and customize according to your need. And all of a sudden, if you have image which is only 80% that you want, you can change it to, to 99% or to 100% as you want. So the image uh, bank use case is the easiest, and this is our, our first clients. We enable image bank to give their users the ability to modify the visual according to their needs. So in this case, your customer is the image bank uh, supplier, and the image bank offers your technology to their users. Yes. And uh, by the summer, you will see two image banks starting to use this technology and offer that to their uh, users, to their clients. For the image bank, it's, it's, it's kind of revolution. It's changed the way that the creative supply chain behave. 
and they struggling in the last few months to understand what is the right way to use or to adopt this uh, uh, technology and how to give it to their user. Uh, interestingly, we did uh, uh, some very long usability tests with one of the image bank, and 88% of the users said that if a platform or image bank give these capabilities, BRIA capabilities, they would prefer to move to that uh, platform. That's uh, very uh, impressive. And is it always the case that you start from an existing image and then with your technology you can change it? Or can you start really from scratch? We can start really from scratch, but I think that the right way to build a product here is at least in the first year or two to start with something that already exists and modify it. There is a, a learning curve also for the community that these abilities exist, that you can create anything. So we decided to start with businesses. We start with the existing visual and help them to be perfect instead of starting from zero. But again, this is a product decision. It's not a technology decision. Yeah, so the technology does support uh, building images from scratch, but as a product decision, you decided in the first phase to take existing images and enable the users to modify them almost completely based on their needs. Exactly. There are tons of visuals in the world. Probably there is something that's close enough to what you need. And why did you go to uh, the B2B model and not directly to the end users? First, because this technology is very uh, new, and I'm not sure that it's mature enough for uh, B2C, but this is the secondary uh, reason. The primary reason is uh, issues related to ethics. Uh, when you give it to ImageBank, to DAM, to do-it-yourself uh, uh, editor, to content provider or, or content platform, as a business, they have responsibilities to use it in the right way. But if you give this type of technology to anyone, when it's not mature enough and it's not clear how to use it, some of the people will do something that might be malicious or wrong with this technology. So we decided to enable this technology to businesses because we believe that businesses will have more responsible usage in this uh, product. You mean that end users could have done things like uh, deepfake? Like deepfake, like uh, malicious. Uh, yesterday I gave a, a lecture at, uh, at my daughter's school and immediately all the kids, they, they get it, they get it, they want it but they want to upload the photo of their brothers, uh, put a moustache, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there at the beginning. No, but, uh, it, it, you know, there is an application here that I want to use it for because, uh, you know, you have hairline uh, is one of the parameters. <laughs> that means that you can give me hair, right? Yeah, more or less hair as you want. <laughs> yeah, so funny story when I started with this, uh, with, with Bria, I decided to start with faces because people are really expert in detecting faces and, and see that something is wrong in, in a face. And more specifically, I decided that I'm going to play with my face. So I took my face, made myself 20 kilo thinner and add some uh, hair. And there was like a really nice profile uh, picture. And I put it in, uh, in LinkedIn. And no one cared. No, no one noticed. <laughs> yeah, it was like, why I bother to do this image? So I remove it and that's it. But seriously, when, when you have the right to fix video, to fix the visual, then there is application in other elements like in post-production. We took this uh, promotion for this very big uh, company 
Uh, the guy came with a T-shirt with logo, which is not allowed, and uh, we have some uh, wired and uh, mess on the set. Let's remove it. We simply remove it for them automatically. And, and no one can tell that it was AI-generated media inside the, the promotion they made. You know, that that's a really interesting scenario. Uh, and again, <laughs> talk about ethics and applications, but, you know, I am sympathetic to the social networks and the, and the challenges that they have in trying to, on one hand, uh, provide a free forum of expression, right? And then on the other hand, balance that with the need to, um, you know, to be uh, fair and to not have, you know, certain behaviors or, you know, even like you say, you know, images on, on t-shirts that might be offensive. Uh, boy, wouldn't that be kind of cool? You know, if, if somebody uploaded a picture, whether intentional or not, there's something that normally would not be allowed rather than that post getting taken down or, you know, there's like the option, would you like to remove this? You know, and you just hit a button and it's gone and you still get the, you know, there's all kinds of really fascinating <laughs> applications that I can see. So what are the origins of the technology? Uh, is this something that you started working on, you know, um, 15 years ago, <laughs> you know, as an undergrad? Or uh, did you, you know, did you discover some research and build on top of that? Um, tell us about, you know, how this technology came to exist. We built this technology uh, on top of existing technology. It came from academia. So in the last five years in academia, there is a, maybe the next generation of AI, which is a generative AI. You see that in NLP, in transformers, and uh, GPT, and, and this line of uh, technology. You will start to see that in visual more and more in the next few years. The revolution here is the AI moved from the ability to tell something about the data, to do a prediction, recommendation, segmentation, labeling, but it was always on the existing data. And now the next generation can generate something new. The AI understands the statistics of the data, the structure of the data, and can generate something new, which looks real. In text, it will be a story or an article. In a voice, it will be voice of someone. And in visual, it will be a visual that look photorealistic, but never exists. Like the, the website, thispersondoesnotexist.com. Exactly. So this person does not exist is exactly one of the examples of this type of algorithm called GAN, and it generates faces. Right. So GAN is Generative Adversarial Network, right? Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that the technology is based on two uh, neural networks that are competing with each other one of them is generating the images. The second one is comparing the artificial images to real images and uh, trying to tell the difference. And as it gets better, the one generating the image also gets better and you know, tries to minimize the difference between the generated images and, and real images. Uh, is, is that right? It's very accurate. And the cool element here is that it came from game theory. You have two players, the generative and the discriminator, that each one of them try to fool the other. To outsmart the other. Yes. And the optimized uh, level of the system is that the generator create really good visual and the discriminator cannot tell between them. But GAN is only one uh, example of a series of technologies in, uh, in generative AI and transformers and synthetic data. 
It's just one example for many. And the technology, when you apply it to an existing image, then I assume there is some initial process that analyzes the image, segments the image, tries to understand the content of the image. So when you tell it to change something, it will know what parts to change, right? Exactly. So we understand everything about the visual, every label, every segmentation, semantic segmentation, even things like depth. And then we understand where we want to do a change or to generate something new. And then you have some kind of encoder element. Let's find this object on the synthetic space. We call it latent space. Once you have the representation of the object, you can move to any directions you want. Right, because you've taken the real object and you've made it into a synthetic object that you can manipulate. Exactly. So now you can move in the direction of happy or surprised or younger. Or if it's uh, the background, you can move it to more urban or more countryside. Now, every direction is a semantic direction, and you can play with that. And and it all still remains in the context of the original uh, image. So things you don't modify remain as is. And after modification, presumably everything blends together into an image that still looks uh, very natural. Yes. So the stitching together, the blending together is a challenge, but actually everything here is a challenge. The technology is quite new. But yes, uh, uh, generally speaking, you got it right. Maybe the only thing that I should add is that there is also conversion between uh, NLP and computer vision. So when you understand the visual, you also understand the text. So now you can apply NLP method and computer vision uh, method together, and now you can do something like text editing. Now you can do smart search. Now you can do a generation based on text, and you get a framework of image to text, text to image, or text to image, image to text. By the way, uh, I, I like your website. For a uh, image technology company, it's very visual. It's it's uh, really engaging. Uh, you've got some really nice, uh, you know, animated um, examples. You know, showcasing the technology. So I'm looking on the platform page, and we do suggest for the listeners, you know, go see this stuff for yourself because <laughs> we can describe it, we can talk about it, but you have to see it. It's just absolutely remarkable. Uh, but there's a generate section here where, you know, there's a group of guys and, uh, you know, I love it how like the technology made, you know, one of them uh, blink, uh, another one's like nodding his head, you know, changing the background, all these different backgrounds, just really, it's just remarkable. It's it's incredible. Yeah, the picture comes to life. We call it uh, Harry Potterized the visual. Yeah, exactly. So my question then is, uh, what about uh, video, turning still images uh, into uh, videos? I, I saw one where, you know, I think it was against the lake or there was water in the background or is the ocean, I guess. And then there's waves and, and all. So that's kind of obvious. But what other things can you do? Here you can have two approaches. One approach is to have a stills and a driver, a motion driver, and then apply the motion on the stills image. So if you apply uh, someone uh, blinking his uh, eyes and move his head, you put it on the stills image and then the still image starts to become uh, live. The second uh, option is to generate a video from scratch. And here the next uh, coming technologies will 
give you the ability to generate things like nature elements, uh, cloud, water, smoke, different uh, time a day, like uh, sunset, sunrise, things like that. We are not doing audio. We are not doing a lip stop. There's other companies that are doing that pretty well, actually. What we try to do is either to apply emotion on a stills or to generate a series of stills image, which is apparently video. How uh, complex is the technology in terms of, of CPU usage or GPU usage? I assume you're using uh, GPUs in the cloud? It's all GPU, and I finished the credit by AWS in eight months. And the free one you get for a startup? The free one that you get for a startup, they advise you to take it in a two quarter because usually it takes three years to two companies to finish that. I finished that in eight months. It's still a heavily compute on a GPUs. So how does this fit into your business model in terms of cost? Is it cost effective to do these changes? I mean, will this technology be available to the end users at, at a reasonable uh, uh, price? Yeah, I, I believe so. At the end of the day, if it takes you to generate a, a visual a, a two, three cents and you need a GPU for that, you can see how much one hour of GPU costs and this is the cost. Eventually, we're talking about sub-cents and sub-seconds per image. In video, it's a little bit different, but it will be efficient enough. So it is complex, but GPUs today are so uh, strong and, and capable that uh, they can finish the job in no time. And the ecosystem around the GPU became stronger and stronger. All kind of uh, model serving and all kind of technologies to make the GPU much, much more efficient in terms of uh, MLOps. It's the revolution in the last two years. Very interesting. So Dror and I are technologists. Um, Dror much more than me. <laughs> but, but, but I lean that way. I'm, I, I definitely consider myself a technologist. But at the same time, we um, are very uh, grounded in the world of business. <laughs> in other words, technology is great, but at some point it has to make money. So we're always interested in the business behind the technology. Now, today uh, you have an API platform. You're striking business to business deals makes a lot of sense for you to go to the, like you say, the image banks, you know, the stock photo libraries. It does seem like that is a reasonable business model for you. Uh, you need to operate the technology, I would assume. It's probably very hard to just turn this over and sort of license it out. But is that your business model? Can you give us some more um, thoughts behind, you know, what your commercial monetization is going to look like and you know, how you plan to approach that? Yes. So let's talk for a second about a, a creative supply chain. Someone uh, takes a picture or a video. It can be in a production day or it can be in a image repositories, a stock supplier. And then there is some element of a professional uh, post-production. Right? This is what average visual is doing before it gets to be used in some application. And then on the other hand, there is all kinds of application, website, presentation, e-commerce, the places that you use the visual. Between these two sides, there is tons of platforms that help you to connect between the two. You have Wix that do that, that helps you to create a website. Website also have visual. You have a Canva that helps you to create a templates and creative from visual. And, and you can do anything with Canva today. 
from presentation to menu for restaurant. You have a do-it-yourself editor for a lot of purposes. You have e-commerce and, and platform for e-commerce. All of this platform, they have some element of connecting the visual to the final usage of the, of the visual. We aim for this platform, from e-commerce to do-it-yourself video to website building, everything that has visual communication at the platform. We are going to start with, the, let's call it the backbone of this world, which is DAMS, okay, Cloudinary, Binder, and a stock photo. And then move to any visual platforms that needs the exact visual. So you're looking to be plugins uh, into those platforms that uh, enable them to offer to their users uh, the capability of generating or modifying uh, media content. At least in the next uh, two to three years, yes. How big is your team? So uh, we are 25 people, most of them check, uh, of course, a high profile of uh, researcher, computer vision, NLP, computer graphics. Interesting fact, we have a web team in the West Bank or Palestine. I don't know, you can choose the name, uh, which is really nice. And the rest, you know, two or three people in marketing sales, a child. Where are you in terms of funding? It's a deep tech, and visual communication is a very wide, uh, important uh, uh, topic. So we are, we are okay with, with funding. We got a funding from uh, two VC and one uh, big uh, image bank, and uh, one of the VC is uh, Entre, and Entre is amazing VC. If there is someone that is uh, uh, in Europe that search for a VC for early stage, they should go to Entre. Good investor is a very, very important thing to have. Yes, that is true. Definitely. I was wondering, are there any copyright issues or content ownership issues when an image bank is offering your technology and they start from something, from an existing image, and then your technology turns it into a different image or into a video? Uh, maybe at some point uh, you can't even recognize where it started from. Who owns that image? Uh, does the original creator get compensated uh, every time the modified image is used? Excellent, excellent, excellent question. When ImageBank has a, a visual, they have a release form from the model. And when you change the visual, it's like, in a way, it's like a Photoshop. So you are doing that anyway. Here we are doing that to the extreme, but it's still something which is known. It's still something that, you know, the, the legal can answer. Uh, when we started the company, we go to some uh, Silicon Valley, very big, uh, famous uh, law firm and ask them for some guidance in which uh, visual we can use to, to train the system. How can we find these images? Uh, what can we do, etc. And they wrote us a policy of uh, how to collect the visual using for training and for quality. And that was okay. And then we asked them, okay, so now we have some questions. Let's assume that we generate a visual, and then from this uh, visual we generate, we train another machine, and then he generate another visual. Now it's no longer related to the original visual, right? And they say, true, it's not related. And then we asked them, okay, so who owns the right? And they said, uh, in five to 10 years, we will have an answer and come back to us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you're ahead of the curve, ahead of the law and the policy. It's not something that law and the regulation understand how to address it yet. In the second generation, what we have now, there are some elements that train 
by a synthetic data that we create ourselves. So it's not clear who own even the, the original visual anymore in, in some of the cases. So it's something that I don't know. I don't think that someone has the answer today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's like the derivative works of music, you know, even going back to like sampling, Yeah. you, you know, the yeah. artists who would sample just little, you know, they would take like just a, a kick drum sound or a snare sound or like literally, um, you know, two notes from some horn line, use it in a record. Well, it's a whole new work, but you know, the original person created that who owns it. You know who has rights to it? It's 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 complicated, but very uh, very interesting. In your generative uh, model, you create a new image. So how do you measure the quality of that image? How do you know if the image is good quality, or you know maybe you added some artifacts or some things that uh, don't belong or look artificial? And maybe it's simply not a good visual. Maybe you don't have artifact, but the smile is really strange. Uh, the hair is not symmetric and it's clear that it's not uh, something real. Quality is, is actually a real hard problem to solve. Uh, when you're doing AI, usually you have some kind of a golden set. Uh, you have a you target, you give an expert uh, to make sure that the golden set is labeled correctly. And then you run something and you have precision recall. And if the precision recall improved, then you are happy, right? It's very simple in a way. It's not clear what you are going to do uh, here. More than that, there is a phenomena called uh, uncanny valley, which means that uh, if something is really close to human, but not exactly there, people are very sensitive to that, and they give you a really low score on quality. So actually, how to measure the quality is uh, uh, one of the biggest problems that we address in this startup and we develop some kind of visual Turing machine. Every version we have, we spread it in a, a crowdsource, asking them one simple question, how natural the visual looks like. And using this data, we develop some kind of classifier to detect if it's look real. But if you think of it, it's a Turing test. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because eventually only subjective user opinion can determine whether this uh, image looks okay or not when you don't have you know, very good definition for what is okay and, and what isn't. So crowdsourcing looks like a, a good method. And actually, you know, at Bimo, we also use it for quality uh, uh, testing and for tuning our quality measure. We built a system that outsources it automatically to uh, Amazon Mechanical Turk users and collects their input and then uh, can really determine the subjective quality of, of the things we generate. So it seems like you're doing similar things with uh, the media that you generate. Yep. Well, where do you go from here? You know, what are you focused on, let's say, um, not too far in the future, the next, you know, 18 months, 24 months? Uh... So the short answer, which is probably the common answer for any startup, I don't know. <laughs> it's simply <laughs> hard to, to guess. But if, uh, if I will try to estimate or to guess, I think that in uh, three years from now, we will have a platform that can be uh, used by other platform, other product that can generate by text stills in a short video, probably uh, with the ability to modify it after that, to tweak it. Uh, it will be quite wide. 
in terms of person, background, object, color, sentiment, uh, brand book, brand styles. It will be a context and semantic oriented. It should also apply for queries like, I want to see uh, kids enjoying the childhood or uh, give me some visual for uh, friendship, higher concept. And hopefully it will be uh, widely used by creators. We hope that the best creators will be the one with the best imagination and not the best technical skills. This is what we would like to achieve, that everyone can be a creator and the best creator will be those with the great imagination. This is really an amazing vision. You know, just thinking about, for example, if I say um, generate a video of uh, someone uh, sitting next to a tree and, and an apple is falling from the tree on that person's head. Uh, and I write this uh, text and then I press a button and it automatically generates the video, right? Right. And when you're talking about a higher level concept, then maybe I can write, I need a video that demonstrates the concept in physics that is called gravitational force, generate a video for that. Yes. Or give me a, a video for a, how to initiate a new idea or innovation. You can start thinking of more abstract concepts. I'm writing a blog about growth. Can you give me some visual that demonstrate growth? Yeah, that's really interesting what, what you said, because, you know, when you talk about a concept like innovation, it's very clear. You'll find a lot of examples of like a, a light bulb turning up or this, you know, apple falling on Newton's head or, you know, Archimedes going out of the, the bathtub yelling, Eureka, Eureka. All of this is things that we know is associated with innovation. And once you have this, this machine, this brain that knows everything about what we know, then we can just ask this uh, machine for a video of innovation and, and we'll get something along those lines. Because people convey message by visual, but they think with text. Right, right. But then it's also, you know, you mentioned in, in the very beginning of our conversation, things like uh, a geography and, and culture. So a symbol of innovation in one culture can be different from the symbol of innovation in another culture. So you need a system that you can also define what culture you are targeting with your video, and this will be one of, of the parameters for creating, right? Yeah, and, and the technology is going there, right? Think of a GPT-3, think about uh, all the ability to generate text today. We are getting there in all of the generative AI, you know, widely speaking. So, Dror, you remember our vision of one day there will be machines creating video for machines that are watching the video. <laughs> While the humans go, you know, relax and enjoy the sun or the beach or the ocean or the mountains. Or yeah, the... <laughs> yeah. The machines will entertain one another. That's right. That's no, but right. really you think about the vision where you want to uh, create a movie, okay? All you need is the script, right? You don't need anything else. The script is the textual description of what happens in the movie. And if you have such a system... You don't need actors. You don't need to create, you know, the props. You don't need to go on, on location. You just describe everything in text, press a button, and your movie is, is done. 
you know, there's people that that hear that though, the creators who have dedicated, you know, years and years and decades of their life to becoming great at the craft, to hear that and say, what a terrible world. That's just a, oh, that's, a, you know, there's going to be all this terrible content out there. You know, the reality is, is that we're all creators and yet not everybody has the ability or has been able to dedicate the time to learn, you know, the video editing and the, you know, cinematography skills and the production stuff. But what an incredible world that we're coming into where, where literally we all can produce the equivalent of a, of, of a tentpole Hollywood movie one day, you know, if we so choose to, um, you know, use the tools and, and to apply ourselves in that direction. But I think that's exciting. And, you know, that's why the vision that Bria is laying out is, uh, boy, I really align with it. It's cool. So yeah, this has been an amazing interview. Yeah, here, uh, we really wish you the best. This is uh, pretty incredible what you built. Thank you very much. I also think it's uh, amazing technology. And again, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, explaining all about it and laying out this, uh, this vision. And of course, we will link to your uh, website so everybody can uh, experience it. And right now you have a free beta available, right? It's true. And we are going to improve that uh, better every month. Uh, so every month you will see more and more features. And it's really nice to play with. And um, thank you very much. I enjoyed the interview a lot. And thank you all of our listeners for being with us in this episode. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, just uh, drop us uh, a line and uh, we'll be happy to have you on to talk about exciting technologies or products or companies that uh, you're building. And until the next time, Happy encoding and happy creating, everybody. Happy encoding. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to thevideoinsiders at beamer.com. That's B-E-A-M-R.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience. This podcast is sponsored by Beamer Imaging. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent.